Welcome to the Ferris Love Podcast, where we share spiritual and practical ideas for how to live family life with a beautiful, self-sacrificing love. This week, we've got another compilation episode on faith and finances. For this episode, we pulled the best pieces of advice from three previous episodes. So if you love the information that you hear here today on this podcast, make sure you go back and listen to the full interviews at episodes 20 and 22 of season two and episode 18 of season three. So without further ado, let's dive in to faith and finances. I think a lot of folks don't understand Mm. how much the church has to say about finances and how we're to use them as faithful Catholics. Mm-hmm. We just think, oh, well, I don't, I mean, they might think, oh, I guess, yeah, you, you shouldn't steal. Um, and then maybe give some. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then does, does God really say much more? Mm. Yes, he does. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit. So yeah, there's that element of just ignorance, you know, of all, if we could go pull from encyclicals or the lives of the saints, um, even scripture. I mean, there's so much. It's chock full of lessons and wisdom around finances that mm-hmm. just haven't been unpacked. Or, you know, Protestant brothers and sisters have unpacked it, but with their own spin or take on it. And it just kind of wasn't questioned. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yes, that's the correct interpretation of that. But is it really in light of all that we have um, from a Catholic worldview? Not all of it really does line up. As Catholics, it can be healthy and it can be unhealthy at the same time, Mm -hmm. but uh, we see it most often manifested as an unhealthy rejection of money because Mm. it's, there's this misunderstanding of it. And uh, I just, I know that that thing could get me tangled up into all sorts of things I don't want to be tangled into. So it's just better that I don't have any Mm. and better that I just don't know a lot and just probably better that I'm broke. (laughs) (laughs) and you know then that means i'm safe but yeah yeah i'm safe if i'm broke and so i'll just stay this way Mm -hmm. but really a lot of times that's if we really looked at that situation of of a family maybe just scraping by and scrimping they might be living terrible stewardship and god Mm -hmm. might have a different call for them but they can't even say yes to it because they're not handling what they have well mm-hmm. and so you know money is amoral it's neutral but we know that the enemy of our souls likes to take things that are amoral and neutral and twist them mm-hmm. and he's certainly good about that with money because with money comes power and with power comes pride and you know Obviously. so on and so forth <laughs> you know the saints saint ignatius talks about this like money is one of the first things that the enemy will try to tempt and lure us away from our Lord with. Mm -hmm. But as long as we know that and we're handling it with virtue and we have a right understanding of it, we don't have to be afraid of it. Just like anything else, like our sexuality Mm -hmm. or food, we just have to know how to think about it and how to interact with it in the right way. And now this is a could be a powerful tool for our sanctification and the salvation of the world. How do you know what you should be bringing home. And so Jonathan and I, uh, we read about it in a book and I felt like there was a really good word that came out Mm. and it was maximum fruitfulness. Mm. Um, And so all of us, that's going to be different, you know, whether you are single or maybe you're married and you've got a kid, one or two kids, or you're married and you have 10 kids, that number is going to look really, really different. Uh, But we all should have that number in mind because two things, One, if we're under earning and we're not earning enough and it's going to show us that, okay, wow, we actually should, we should probably find a way to earn more because our family is 
suffering terribly here mm-hmm. unnecessarily. Right. Because we're just not being prudent and making sure we're bringing home enough mm-hmm. uh, to support what what our family needs. You know, this person maybe is having a mental health struggle and this kid over here has special needs. Like you need the money to support those things. God's not always, he's not, we have plenty of sufferings that we have in our life, but we don't always have to make them harder. But then on the flip side of that, maybe somebody doesn't need everything that they are that is coming in. And we encourage people, you know, to, if, if possible, that 10% giving tithing is the starting line. Mm. We view it purely as a starting line. Let's say maximum fruitfulness has been met for your family or your household. And so now you actually have more to give. Mm -hmm. Maybe you're called to now give 14% or 20% Mm -hmm. uh, of your income. As long as you are living in that space of maximum fruitfulness where the money that is being brought in is supporting you, living your vocation mm-hmm. in, in that deep yes that God's asking you to give. Mm-hmm. Well, that's really all the money any of us need. And so sure. anything above and beyond that can either be given um, mm-hmm. or go into supporting something else. Uh, but it is important that we know what that number is. Right. So we need to know what's that that measure, right? To think of think of it as fruitfulness. We right that image is used a lot uh, in, in scripture and all that because it, because it's a great one, right? If it, the if you don't water the plant, it's going to die, mm-hmm. and if you overwater it, it's also going to die. Mm-hmm. Right. It needs to be the right amount. So it's like, what's the right amount of money, right? Some of it, you're, this is just it's just too low. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah, that could be true. Some of it just. Yeah, we. I don't even know what else we could do with it. Well, all right. Now, right, right, like the church teaches us, when the needs of necessity have been met, that for us and, and those under our charge, then right, the 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 overflow is for others. We we take care of ourselves, for of our family, those we were responsible for, and now we take care of the other ones we're responsible for, those in need. It doesn't come naturally for spouses to get on the same page around this. Mm. Um, a lot of times we'll we'll meet with Catholic married couples and I mean, they're faithful mm-hmm. um, and they just kind of, there's this illusion that the sacrament is just kind of going to make everything fine mm-hmm. and that we don't have to actually go through the practical steps of getting on the same page when it comes to parenting or finances or um, how much we want to give or what we want to what we want to eat, what kind of diet we have in our family. Like those can be huge contentious points in a marriage, even though you're both faithful Catholics. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, And grace and nature go together. And so I just want to encourage couples out there that if, if you don't feel like you're totally on the same page with your finances and you feel a little off kilter or disjointed or, you know, one, one person's walking through the door with target bags and the other one is casting a stink eye, Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) these, that it doesn't have to be that way. Mm. And we, we teach people how to get on the same page by first assessing what it is that they grew up with and their family of origin. Because unless we understand where we came from, we really can't make progress in moving forward. Mm -hmm. But we first have to understand that. And then we can talk about and dream about our future together. Mm -hmm. And then from that space and that understanding, we can kind of, you know, if we had a financial backpack on, we can kind of unpack the things that aren't helpful, repack the habits that we want. And now we have some united dreams that are pulling us forward together, that makes it a whole lot easier. Mm -hmm. Whereas I see a lot of times, you know, couples will just come to us 
fighting and irritated with each other and blaming and pointing fingers like she's out of control or he's overspending and um, they just haven't put the work into getting on the same page. And once they do, all of a sudden the shame and the blames and all of that goes away Mm -hmm. because now they're a team. I was in the way for us at the beginning. You thought this would be a good thing for us to figure out. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I guess but we can figure it out. We don't need any help. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've got a, uh, a number of folks in our Walt Winn Academy who, it, you know, it's the wife. Usually it's the wife and the husband's the problem. And he doesn't like the problem, not in that he's overspending necessarily things like that, but just that he's not on board with trying mm-hmm. to do something different. Or get help. Uh, yeah, uh, well, we're gonna, we're gonna. I guess I'm gonna be the one who's gonna budget, and I can only do the parts that I, you know, have control over. And we'll have to see how that goes. And it's not gonna go as certainly not as well as if both of you were there. And so, husbands, listening to this, listen to me. You got to do this. You uh-huh. need to step up. Taking care of your family's finances is a vital part of taking care of your family, of loving your wife, of giving your children a good life. It is how you can love them. So cast your pride to the side, <laughs> right? Deflate that ego and let's actually do this thing because it's it's going to be hard. It's going to you're not going to like some of it, mm-hmm. but you're going to love what happens on the other side. Mm-hmm. And what other what what other things in life are that like are worth doing and that are really easy and comfortable? This is going to be this is <laughs> this is greatness that you're being called to right now, and you need to get off your butt and let's do this thing. Okay, so to wrap up our conversation, I would love to have both of you share your like top tip. Okay, I mean it's a I'll take a, the boring one, I guess. Okay. Uh, budgeting, you have to know to budget. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how little money you have. That has been entrusted to you. Mm-hmm. And it's your responsibility to use it as well as possible to get the most bang out of those bucks. Mm-hmm. Do to take care of yourself, to take care of your family, to take care of others. That's a, there's a lot going on there. Mm-hmm. And if we're just going to rush into this great responsibility that we've been given blind, Mm-hmm. it's certainly not going to go as well as if we sit down, we plan it out, we understand what needs are going to come up when, and then with that full knowledge and a plan in our back pocket, we can move forward step by step, being a good steward, taking care of those needs that come up. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, my tip, gosh, there's so many that I could give, but I think uh, I'm going to share this one, that God wants to be involved mm. in your finances mm. and that he wants to make you holy through your money. The universal call to holiness is a, a common thing thrown around, but a lot of times people think like money's still this thing on the side, but it's part of how he's making you holy. And so whatever, I don't know what season you are in financially, but whatever it is, he wants to be right there in the thick of it using the realities that you're in to sanctify you. So one of the things that you've blogged about before and and spoken of previously is just the importance of teaching children about finance. And so I'd love to get your take on like, why do you think this is really important to start very young teaching kids about finance and money. Any of the things that you need to teach your children to be functioning adults start Mm -hmm. as young children. Mm -hmm. So you start teaching your children to brush their teeth at two. 
Mm -hmm. You teach them to say please and thank you uh, at a very young age. Um, Any of those things that you want to teach your child to be a good functioning adult, a good soul, and a good citizen of the world, start very young. Um, And finance is no different. Um, Being a responsible saver, spender, uh, consumer also starts very young. So it's the same idea that good habits start early. If you come into the world as an adult, you know, imagine you're graduating from college, as most people do. Um, Parents are expecting these children to be an adult when they graduate and to be fully on their own. Mm -hmm. Uh, But they're making a lot of avoidable mistakes. Uh, that they never learned, you know, things that their parents just assumed they would learn, but you're not going to know it's you're never taught it. So uh, like, it's not something you learn in school. You know, I mean, I took an economics class in college and, Mm -hmm. you know, we learned about supply and demand. We didn't learn about credit scores and, you know, budgeting or any of those other, you know, we didn't learn about IRAs and 401ks. We didn't learn about any of that stuff. Um, so no, these are not things that people are learning about. And then, you know, a kid starts their first job and, you know, somebody says, do you want to you know, sign up for the 401k? And they're like, I don't know what that is. Like, <laughs> no, don't take my money. You know, like, so there's a lot of misconception that mm-hmm. they will automatically know or learn, but like how many parents are talking about their 401k at the dinner table? Not very right. many. So yeah. the earlier you start, the earlier you learn. I mean, my parents talked about it all the time, but that was Mm. my my mom was in the business. So that was something that we, you know, I think I started budgeting at 10. So I I mean, it's the earlier you start, the better off you will be in Mm -hmm. terms of adult skills by the time you need them. Your children rise to the level of your expectations. So like Mm -hmm. when you tell a four-year-old, no, you can't have that toy when you're in the store, it's not in the budget, but you can put it on their Christmas list. They don't know what a budget is. Mm-hmm. But that opens the door for them to ask a lot of questions. What's mm-hmm. a budget? Why do we have one? Why does it matter? Um, and that whole thing, you know, then begins to like, once they, they, they know that you're open to discussing this, um, that's when the conversation starts to flow. Sure. I like this idea too, because it's starting early, but giving them like the whys. Cause I think a lot of parents are like, no, you can't have this. And in their head, they're thinking, we don't have the money for this. Like I can't be buying you something every time we go to the store, but not necessarily saying that. Right. But even by just adding that little extra phrase and like, it's not in the budget, right. Yeah. Makes, can make a big difference. And like you said, can open that realm of communication. Yeah. And I think too, parents don't want to say we don't have the money for this because mm. that's like a very negative connotation. And then they don't want the kids to worry or whatever. And, and, you know, like I, I think that that's totally understandable. And so say by saying it's not in the budget and then the kids say, well, why? And you say, well, we have other things that we need to spend the money on. Your, your psychological understanding of money is formed very young. Mm-hmm. So if that's how it is in your house that you can't talk about it, then your kids, when they're making mistakes, are, are not going to come to you to ask if this is an issue. Um, and I think that that goes beyond money, but to a lot of different, you know, topics. Um, but money is something that has so many different applications throughout your life that you want them to come ask you, um, or, and, you know, maybe you're not the best at managing your money, but you might know somebody who is, mm-hmm. um, and you can direct them to the right person. Um, but at least having that line of communication open, that this is not a taboo subject and this is mm-hmm. something that we can discuss. I think the earliest, the the other thing for young children, or or even if you haven't done it yet with a little bit older children, is 
going to a physical bank location to open a bank account. It's it's easier to understand in a physical location. Sure. And then you're talking to a bank teller and you're talking to all these people and you know, you're filling out the paperwork to open mm-hmm. the account and it's much more real sure. than sitting next to you at a computer and like click 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 okay, it's open. Congratulations. Okay, you're done. Yeah, exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. I almost think it's easier or okay. easier to discuss it with the older kids. Um, because they have a better conceptual understanding of these types of things. You know, at this point, budgeting becomes really important. So I think that the easiest thing to do would be to sit down with them and create a budget. And even mm-hmm. if you're not that great with your own finances, a, mm-hmm. a budget for a 16 year old should be pretty simple. Sure. Um, you know, X amount of money for gas, uh, X amount of money for hanging out with your friends. And then if there's something else that they're going for or trying to save for, then that's, mm-hmm. you know, then you say like, well, if you go out to Chipotle twice a week, then that money doesn't get saved for your summer trip as quickly mm-hmm. as if you only went once a week. So you're showing trade-offs sure. um, and it's a conversation that you can then have as opposed to they get to the end of the year and wonder why they don't have enough money for their trip. I think the most important thing to realize is that it's never too late to start. Okay. Um, And I know it can feel overwhelming, Mm -hmm. um, but I always, when I talk to people about this, I always use the example of early childhood education. Um, My background is in the military. I um, now have finance under my belt. I know absolutely nothing about early childhood education. Mm -hmm. So what, but what do you do when you want something for your kids? What do you do when you want to learn something to give your kids the best you can if the whole point of raising a child is to send them off in the world to be a good soul and a good citizen and to function for the betterment of society, what are you willing to do mm-hmm. to do that? So in, in my case, I had to read a ton of books about mm-hmm. early childhood education. What am I doing? How do I help? What are things mm-hmm. I can do to work with the natural gifts? What can I do to help them with their struggles? How do I get them to learn? You know, all of these kinds of things. It's not any different. If you want to have something better for your children and a budget can help that because you're saving for future goals that could help them like college or whatever the case may be. Maybe it's, maybe it's secondary school, maybe it's high school. You want to send them to a really expensive, really good high school and you need to start saving now. Mm -hmm. So if having a budget would help with those things, is that what you want? Is that, is that your primary goal? What are you willing to do to get there? Mm -hmm. Um, So to give your kids the best that you can give them, from yourself. So in my case, the best that I could give them from myself as a mother, I wanted to learn about early childhood education. Sure. And so if that's what you want to do, or if you want to learn more about Mm -hmm. finances and you're not in the place to do that, what are you like, what are you willing to do? Like (laughs) it's never too late to start. Never. There's so many things that are going on in family life. It's easy to put your budget on the back burner. Mm-hmm. Um, it's easy to say, I'm just, you know, going to live day to day and figure it out as I go along. Um, but the problem is, is that um, hope is not a strategy. Mm. Like, I hope this will be fine. And I hope we'll get there is not a strategy. And mm-hmm. You have to plan for what you want. There is no way you're going to accidentally trip and fall into an excellent savings account. It's just not, it's like not possible. Mm -hmm. So if you want to achieve your goals, you need to make some, make some plans. Um, And I think that it's, you know, the best gift that you could give your family Mm -hmm. is to have everything 
you know, set up in a way that makes sense for your family. And that looks mm-hmm. different for every family too. You know, there's no two situations that are alike, but mm-hmm. um, don't worry that you may not have done it yet. It's never mm-hmm. too late to start. What we would recommend is something we call the family board meeting. Um, and this is something we were gifted. I, I, I don't know if some of your listeners may have heard us, if they've if heard us talk about this before, right. but this idea of the family board meeting uh, is more than just money, uh, mm-hmm. but money needs to be uh, put in its right order. Meaning it's it's mm-hmm. a, as an outcome of priorities, decisions, values, things that we as a couple mm-hmm. hold in common. And the money is how that is that bigger vision is kind of executed. And a family board meeting, simply put, is um, you are the board of your family. You are the controlling uh, partners um, <laughs> of your family, Inc., you know, and at least every year you want to take time to get away, look at your budget, look at your time and say, "Are where are we today? Mm. Where do we want to go right. uh, in the future? And how do we get there together? Sure. Uh, because if you want to uh, go fast, you go on your own. If you want to go far, you go together. Mm. And the family board meeting is a tool that really kind of challenges us mm. to create a united vision uh, together. And then from that vision, we can get to finances. Yeah. Like, for example, if, um, you know, you have young children and you're assuming maybe one spouse is assuming they would go to private school, to Catholic school. Maybe another spouse is assuming they would homeschool or go to public school, you know, yeah. and one spouse is assuming, oh, we're going to do a payment plan. And the other is saying, no, we're going to have that money in the bank for that. Well, if you don't have that conversation, right. you're going to wind up coming up to those decisions and be blindsided. Mm-hmm. But if you start having those conversations before you have children or when your children are very young, before you get to school age, and you say, you know what? Yeah, this is my vision for our children's education. This is what I always pictured. Oh, really? I never thought about that. Oh, this is what I always pictured. Mm-hmm. And to have those conversations. Right. So that's what we mean by like a vision. Like what yeah. is our family going to look like sure. five years from now, 10 years from now? So you can start thinking in that mode, mm-hmm. you know, of like, this is what this is going to look like. Mm-hmm. A- another great example is moms working outside the home. Yeah. You know, people get married with all kinds of assumptions. Oh, I assumed you were going to stay at home. Oh, I assumed I was going to work, you know? And, and again, there's not necessarily any right or wrong answer there, but that is a very, um, it's a very important financial issue. I think, feel like the whole working issue is a very bedrock mm-hmm. um, issue. Because it reflects a lot of deeper held values, right? And exactly. It, and that's For where you need, women, and, you know? and that's why you need to push up to that higher level, right? You know, getting to that 50,000, because oftentimes we might disagree on some of the tactics or right. the particulars, right? How much money we should have in savings or how we should save or whatever. But when we push up to kind of the more important topics and we're looking at the 50,000 foot view, we're like, okay, actually we agree more on this. And then if I agree on this level, okay, let's take it down a notch. Let's take right. it, let's get it closer to the ground level, if you will. And when we get, we build unity each step along that way, then we're like, okay, this now, I thought we should have done this, but actually now that we've spent time thinking about it, I agree with all these. So this aligns more and it's going to give you peace because at the end of the day, the, the conflict over money is, is in part driven by, we don't have enough to do everything. 
Right. And that, that's a good thing because that means that we have to be use our prudence. It has to it, it challenges us to be more united. But then it forces us to say, are we putting things in priority order? Because yeah. because we can't do everything, that's good. So that we as a couple can say, no, we're choosing to do this, and that means that we can't do that. And it's like, what are those choices that we make? And we make them in priority that we both can look at and say, mm-hmm. yes, we're all in because this priority is worth it. Take a little a strategic retreat, if you will, as a couple and say, let's let's get united on the big stuff so that those big rocks right. can allow the smaller things to fit around them. Sure. And and just to give people hope too, I mean, we we've been married for 29 years, 29 and a half years. And we actually do fight a lot less about money <laughs> today. As a matter of fact, I would say we really hardly fight at all, you know, whereas in our first five, 10 years of marriage, mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah, like there was, was always issue. something, a, a disagreement, a, you know, a, a criticism either way or stress, or, I mean, there's lots of things that we could go into about why people fight about those things and mm-hmm. how it attaches to our own self-worth sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, but but as you grow in your relationship, mm-hmm. it is possible to yeah. come to peace <laughs> with that area of your marriage. <laughs> yeah. We see families that live for purpose and families that live for pleasure. Mm. And, and by that, it, it means that we're making a decision to say, I, I'm not going to be driven by the urgency of the moment. Right. I'm not going to be driven uh, to, to engage in my emotions or my relationships or just everything as it is today. Mm-hmm. I'm going to live for something greater. Right. right. And so that's just an orientation. And we go into deeper on that, but it's important right. to get that so that we can then define from that purpose, what is our why? What is our why as a family? And the why is made up of your mission, your vision, and the values of your family. And uh, the mission of the Catholic family is defined by the church. It's beautiful. It's mm-hmm. awesome, right? Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a mission oriented towards love. And that mission is really lived out in your family culture. But when you get that why, those are some of the big topics. Sure. And then and then from that, you really should develop a plan, right? Mm-hmm. So if you say, hey, um, you know, this is who we are as a family, um, and this is where we want to go, well, what's the plan to live that out in, the, in this year? What's the mm-hmm. one step forward this year that's going to help us be more effective? I think this vision too helps give the family so much freedom. Like there are so many different ways Yes. It's a great family and to, to raise amazing children and have this great marriage. There's not just one Catholic way you have to do this. Right. Yes, 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 and yes. So really having that freedom and looking at those values and those, you know, to, to decide what, what is our family going to look like? Like, what is our Catholic mm-hmm. family going to be? And it doesn't have to be like that Catholic family there, or this yes. Christian family here. Yes. Right. Yes. Yes. And you know, just even you saying that it's just like, it, just saying that it just brings such a smile to my face for couples to be free. Mm-hmm. exactly what you just said right. for them to be free to realize we don't have to be like everybody else. And that is okay mm-hmm. because we tend to compare so right. often, especially in this world of social media and everything is like, Oh, we have to homeschool, have 10 kids and have chickens and goats. No, you don't, yeah. no, you don't. <laughs> but be free and be confident in who God made you, which is so beautiful and unique. Right, yeah. and and, there, and and the beauty of being Catholic is that there are um, clear guardrails on a number of areas, things that are universal to every family, right. stamped in the very DNA, if you will, of the family. But then there's so much within that that is just unique, and we need to recognize God wants us to. Our our kids need it, 
to be who we are, to lean fully into who we are called to be and what that means, you know, kind of in our unique scenario, right, as a family. And then that helps us, again, go back to taking the big idea and making it very practical, making it, how does that affect my budget? How does that affect the bottom line? And then those conversations that have conflict, well, they'll still be there, but there will be so much less and there'll be so much more greater focus. And the more you can drive to that intentionality, aligning your bigger mission, vision, and values with the day-to-day budget, and even how you spend your time, sure. you're going to have more greater peace and purpose in your household. It's it's quite all right if one person is uh, doing more- The bookkeeper. The bookkeeper, right? <laughs> um, but it isn't right if there's one person controlling or making decisions on the money, mm-hmm. uh, because this isn't a solopreneur. This isn't a, uh, you know- <laughs> There, there is no uh, president and vice president. You know, right. we we are complementary equals in this family venture, and we need to uh, both. Again, if you use that idea, you can modify it and do your own thing. But as long as you guys, as a board, decide on the big stuff together, you decide on how our money is going to be oriented. Then having somebody be the bookkeeper is no big deal. Right, right. But there is a major problem when you say I'm walking away from that money because that right. that is going to be um, a, a, a breeding ground mm-hmm. for division and mm-hmm. arguments and resentment and right. frustration. And even uh, again, recognizing that some uh, are, some of us as spouses are more confident, some are less confident. Some are, are take time to process. Some are ready to throw out an idea, just shooting from the hip and have, you know, no real depth of thought, right? Mm-hmm. We need to recognize that everybody, uh, every spouse is different and that we need to hear each other because we don't want to simply compromise. We don't want to simply right. uh, give in to each other or yield power to another. We want to create something we couldn't do on our own. Right. That's what marriage is all about. And really that what Mike just said is something that you can't do on your own. That takes the participation of both spouses. Yes. And Mm -hmm. so that kind of, again, going back to that whole idea of values when the time comes. Okay. So like the day to day, sure. Like maybe mom has her food budget, you know, and dad, you know, there's an account that she uses and, you know, dad throws money in there every month, you know, for her to use or whatever. And that's, and she's like, yeah, that's, that's great. I don't need to do the taxes or whatever. But when the time comes for some major purchases, those should never be done on their own. Something that's outside of the monthly budget, like mm-hmm. for, for one spouse to say, oh, I, yeah, I spent a couple thousand dollars on this because I'm in charge of the finances. Mm-hmm. And even if the other spouse is okay with it, For the unity of the couple, that's not okay. Like Mm -hmm. that, that's really not okay. It really should be, even if it is simply a, hey, I just want to explain to you, I'm going to buy a pool for our backyard. And Mm -hmm. this is, this is why, this is what I thought. What do you think about that? Mm -hmm. You know, and even if the other spouse is like, yeah, sounds great. Go for it. You know, even if it's as simple as that, Mm -hmm. it shows that unity between spouses and that this does not mine. This is ours. This is ours. And this is something to decide on together. 